0: Hey, everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh.
1: It is Monday, December 28th. Mm -hmm. I only know that after deep (sighs) research because I am am completely in the twilight zone of... I've lost all sense of space and time Mm -hmm. because usually... You lose track of days during the holidays or maybe a long weekend or whatever. But for us at the Mayfair, we're in the midst of lockdown, so we don't have the routine of putting out a schedule or programming or anything. Christmas happened, and it happened right around a weekend. The other day, I was standing there doing dishes or putting away leftovers, and I genuinely was like, I don't know what day it is. I don't know where I am. (laughs) You're
0: on forced holidays right now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's weird. And like, the Fact that it's like still, I mean, because I, I do have to work, but not today. So like that's nice. I'm on holiday, but literally like I had coworkers texting me this morning. They're like, "Do we work?" And I'm nah. like, "Shouldn't you have checked this last week?" And it was like 11:30 when I turned my phone on. So I was like, "Well, I, that's three hours after we would have started." So do we work? <laughs> no, it's Christmassy. Yeah, and I was I was almost like, "Well, you deserve it if you did panicked go in to work today, and you're relying on me." Like <laughs> nobody rely there. on me. Like that's a bad plan. They're banging on the door. Let me in. Oh, man. And it wasn't even someone in my section. I'm like, I, I'm I'm the person you went to? Like, like her mother works there, too. I'm like, not, did either of you not know? Like, I mean, and they live in the country. So if they did go in, like, that's uh, problematic for them. Like, it's not, I don't know how, the, like, actually, I mean, it's not a bad day today, to be honest. It's kind of nice out, but for winter. So. Yeah, you would think they would have checked in on that. Most people who work grown-up jobs know exactly when they don't have to go to it. Oh, especially that. For me, I'm just like, I at least know the next day, which was kind of like, you know, it's like Mayfair style. It's like, it doesn't really matter what you're working in two days. Just know if you're working the next day. That's kind of the more important thing. But no,
1: you're right. We biked here today. Gwen is here touching up her... She arts and crafts this lovely exterior sign for us. Mm-hmm. Looks very old school. So look, nice. Lee said, oh, we look like a real movie theater now.
0: <laughs> After 10 years. After 10
1: years, yeah. So if you look at our Facebook, Twitter, whatever, there's photos of it up there. So she's doing that. We yeah. tried to get her on the
0: podcast, but she's more interested in doing arts and crafts. We tried We both tried hard. So I thought yep. maybe she, it was like, oh, she's used to Josh asking. So <laughs> yeah. maybe if I am to go in. But no, it was I got shut down as well. It's... December 28th and we biked here today and biked here without
1: effort. Like it wasn't like we didn't didn't put on like snow tires. I didn't put on like extra skis on the bike. Those are a thing. I never even (laughs) thought of that. Like, I guess you would have to put on. Oh, Gwen does. Because Gwen's a real bicyclist. So she bikes through what used to be real Ottawa weather, like, you know, minus 20 and she'll have goggles on and and fancy stuff and all that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Ottawa actually is pretty decent about even in the real winter times, they'll have like a little mini wally snow remover that goes up and down the bike paths. Oh man, fancy. So, thank you, global warming. Because yeah. I'm still biking and it's almost twenty twenty one and that's never happened to me before. Like I remember I remember my routine in high school and when I was in high school it was really like this time of year or like the weeks leading up to Christmas break you had to shovel because there was snow up against your front door and you had to shovel your front laneway because if not you couldn't get out and my routine was I would wake up early enough to get breakfast and have a shower Animaniacs was on this bizarre time slot it was on from 7.30 till 8 four days a week or five days a week maybe so I would watch that be eating and like putting on my boots and stuff as Animaniacs was going And then at 8.01, leave the house, walk to a bus stop that was like 8.10, and then get to school at 8.40 or whatever for Mm -hmm. the 8.55 bell or whatever like that. That was this time of year, a bit earlier, and it was real grandpa talking about walking uphill both ways in the (laughs) snow weather. And that has
0: not happened here yet. No. So thank you, end of the world. It's, another another
1: plus about yeah. the
0: apocalypse. It happens, though. Like, it always eventually happens. I, I feel like it's almost every year, at least the last five, where you're like, oh, maybe it'll be mild. Maybe it'll be, you know, we won't get that crazy cold storm or whatever. And it always happens. Yeah. Inevitably, like, January at some point. For sure, February. And then by the end of, you know, mid-February, you're like, oh, God, when's March going to get here? <laughs> yeah. Well, the other day,
1: so we had our wrap-up week, which wasn't intended to be our finale for 2020 week because mm-hmm. if not for going into lockdown part three we would have been screening movies today we would have been screening a movie right now because we would have had weekday matinees of et and Wee's big adventure oh wow so one of those would have been playing as we speak two right of your now. favorites too oh my god it'd been great <laughs> so instead at least we had a few days warning so we got to ramp up and get all prepared and tell the internet and warn the patrons and Mm -hmm. stuff that we weren't going to be back. So by the time I worked on Christmas Eve and I didn't have to stay an extra two hours, everything was ready to go because we had a head start. We had a marquee written up and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so we're on break until further notice. The funny thing is I came in today and of course there was messages on the machine of which the message on the machine says... Hi, I'm recording this on Christmas Eve, December 24th. Until further notice, we are closed due to COVID lockdown. Please stay tuned, yada yada. So that's what the Answer Machine message says. And nonetheless, there were six messages saying, Are you guys open? Uh, So it's like, didn't pay attention
0: at all. To the news or to the message.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so people were phoning, and it was over the last couple days. It was people phoning to see if Boogie Nights was on tonight or tomorrow night. And it's like, well, no, it's we're all closed down. Remember the news with the COVID?
0: It's so weird. Yeah. It's, it's like it, when you call and you're leaving a message somewhere and you, you're like not really paying attention to the thing because you're just like you're, your brain is just like leaving message, leaving message. So just, yeah, yeah. But like this is that one situation where you should listen to the message or again, pay attention to the news. All your answers are there in the answering machine message. Yeah. Like, it's just, or check the website. Like, I mean, it's like, there's some, I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm like coming down hard on it, but I just, (laughs) I feel like it's pretty hard not to be semi-aware of what's happened the last week even. Yeah. But hey, you know, who might I say? It's funny though, because this
1: is insanely our third time doing this. Mm -hmm. We're getting, for better or for worse, more acclimated to this world. So I remember typing up the sign to put up on the door the first time this happened, or doing the answering machine, the first time this happened. And it was very serious, and we were quoting rules and
0: scripture. Yeah, by
1: <laughs> rule of the city and by yeah. rule of the health minister. <laughs> and we put in COVID and whatever the official scientific term is for it all. Like, so it was all very serious and whatever. And it's a serious time. But now for part three, the message was like, we're going into lockdown again. Yeah. Take care, everybody. We promise we'll see you in January or as soon as we can. We love you, the Mayfair. The tone of voice between those two messages in one being written in March for Lockdown Part 1 and one being written in December for Lockdown Part 3, yeah very different, where everyone's just like, okay, yep. (laughs) It's just a what-me-worry, like, Mad Magazine cover. We
0: just stick that in the thing. We're like, ah, whatever. Hopefully, there won't
1: be a Part 4. No. But yeah, and not that it's not still horrible everywhere, but... There is just a sense now of like, is this what people felt like after X amount of days in a world war where, say, for the first bit of time, it was like, oh, this is so alien. This is so strange. This is so Mm -hmm. scary. And by the end of the first year, you're like, yeah, this is
0: horrible, but we're still going to the store to buy milk. Yeah. The seven years war about four years in. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) ah, this again, huh? Yeah, no, nah, it's uh, it's not ideal, but considering, I mean, like, at least, you know, we're able to have a sense of humor about it, and society's not crumbling, you know, like, and at least at least if there is a part four, it'll be the final chapter, so, yeah. you know, we got that going for Friday us. Friday 13th would never lie to us. Yeah, yeah, and it ended there, so, I mean, we should be fine, but I assume Andrew's safe, you know, somewhere, <laughs> yeah. like, the staff is all... Uh,
1: Andrew was messaged, I didn't hear back from him, because... Okay. <laughs> I think Andrew is the type
0: to watch movies till six a.m. and then yeah. sleep when he can, so. which is kind of me as well. But I'm, that's yeah, my like sleep patterns the last three nights have been uh, erratic, <laughs> shall we say. But I've been watching like good enough stuff. I've, I watched Total Recall for the first not the first time, but first time in jeez twenty years probably. It just sort of happened. I was like, I haven't watched that in a while, and it's like, man, that is a, a frightening movie at times. Pal Verhoeven's on the Mayfair radar because we just played RoboCop recently. Yeah, and, and I, I keep forgetting it's him. Like, it's yeah. he's... he's Man, his filmography is interesting. Especially that little Hollywood blip
1: where it was Total Recall and RoboCop and Showgirls. Yeah. Like, that little
0: weird blip. And uh, Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, like... Like, and even like those lot because I mean, he had quite a career uh, before, like, he's Dutch, I think. And after, he's yeah. now he's
1: kind of gone back to his roots the past, I don't know, decade and yeah. he's doing
0: kind of highbrow dramas and stuff. It's, so. just, it's funny, like, these kind of guys where it's just, well, maybe not you or I, but like, for the average person, they're just sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, Robo, you know, like, just yeah. the Hollywood stuff. But he's like, he had a full career before all that, you know. And it's so funny to me, like, these foreign directors, John Wu or something like that, people are just like, oh, yeah, you know, and he had a couple of movies. And you're like, well, I mean, he directed quite a few yeah. before. Before, but it's just like things don't exist here until they're in English. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, wow, this is hot new director. Yeah, that's one of the reasons remakes happen, because a large population
1: of American cinema goers don't like to read, mm-hmm. so they remake it. And yeah. I remember, this was early on in Mayfair times for us, we played... Let the Right One In. Mm -hmm. We started in 2009. So it was was somewhere soon after that, 2010 maybe. But then I remember we were screening it. So, you know, being a rep house, second run theater, we were playing it a few months after it had maybe been in multiplexes or whatever. Mm -hmm. But as we were playing it, there was advertisements for the next one or news on the the next, on the remake. Because that was 2010 when the remake came out. Man, which we then played six months (laughs) later. Oh, man. So I saw let the right one in and let me in very close together. Like I think within nine months of each other, which is a weird way to see a remake because usually, or sometimes it's decades between, or it's a hard reboot or something different about it. But those two movies, they're the exact same movies. So there's nothing wrong with let me in. Yeah but when you see the other one you're like oh i just saw this movie and you guys yeah. are using the same storyboards and script and camera placements and so yeah. it's like it's like
0: it's... the only difference is it's slightly homogenized for the like sexual nature of stuff like that's they dial it down slightly that's yeah. that's really the only difference is like it's essentially americanized in that way the action scenes or like the horror scenes yeah. the one in the pool mm-hmm. genuinely it's the same yeah
1: and i think they almost did that gus van sant psycho style they were like hey we got all this storyboards and work Mm. let's just make use of that yeah so it's it's better
0: than its reputation i'll say that like a lot of people because they're so similar that it's it's hard to say the remake's better but just i think a lot of people knee-jerk hated the remake and it's it's not it's not bad like i actually thought it was way better than it the credit it got yeah
1: it's just the same Mm -hmm. it it would be better served if you watched it a decade apart yeah (laughs) but when you watch them back to back you're like that's weird. That's the same movie I just watched.
0: Yeah, it's good. Like that pool scene alone is uh, really oh, really yeah. good. Like that's the best part of the movie to me. Like, I liked that movie, but I ne- I, w- I was never like crazy about the original. It's one of those movies where a lot of people cite it as one of the best horror movies in the last 20 years, and I'm not going to say it's not, but for me, I'm just sort of like I watched it and I was like, "Oh yeah, that was cool." You know, like but I haven't revisited it all that much, you know. It's just it's, it's funny these these little like gems to certain people where you're like, "Well, I don't really agree, so I'm just going to not say anything. But I'm glad that you love that. <laughs> like We watched The New Black Christmas. Oh, yeah, me too. Which was <laughs> bizarrely
1: not Black Christmas. It, yeah. It's a weird thing because it's not really a complaint, but it's one of those... I should look it up. There's probably a Wikipedia entry on it, but it was so far removed from the original Black Christmas Mm -hmm. just in slight spoilers, I guess. I don't know if this was in the trailer, but there's definitely more of a supernatural aspect to it. Yeah. And there's not the, again, spoiler kind of, there's not the most iconic line in horror movie history of the calls coming from inside the house. Yeah. It almost seems like it was a different script set at a university with kind of a final girl character and at christmas time yeah and then somebody went hey we can slap black christmas on this it was strange so i don't even know how i feel about it where it wasn't bad but it was just like it's i got so distracted that it was called black christmas yeah
0: a lot of people i mean that's one of the most eviscerated movies of the last two years because of its title basically and and it's funny i watched it with uh with my wife as well and like she she hated it too like but well i I wouldn't say i hated it i actually enjoyed it more than i thought i would because i like it just got eviscerated i feel so bad for especially like female directors writers whatever where That's you're what just like cool about it, yeah dudes turn their back instantly and just the venom and it's ironic because like not the whole point of the movie but there's a, a lot of men take it as an anti-male movie which i didn't it's anti-evil men you know yes. but there was so many dudes who are just like oh yeah you know the whole point in the movie all men are evil every single man is evil and all this stuff and you're just like i mean it's funny that that's what you took from it it kind of makes me think but yeah it's just it's so funny like how threatened young males are by just the simplest things like that where you're just sort of like i know i get it it's not the black christmas but having said that my biggest thing was just like let teenage girls have something you know like it's like this wasn't made for you and i and so like just the venom that came out of dudes where you're just like yeah 25 year old guy probably this wasn't made for you and i get why you didn't like it you're not the target audience you know it's such an easy litmus test to go like oh you're
1: a bad person because you don't think women should be superheroes yeah. or you know like it's, it's such an easy thing of just seeing these people who are like oh you're not critiquing this movie
0: you're angry because yeah. you're a bad person you never would have liked it and th- and that's why it's it's too bad when it turns out that maybe it isn't the best movie because you're like ah damn it like they have kind of a point in the sense that you're right that it wasn't great but you went in with a chip on your shoulder and you yeah. never ever ever would have enjoyed it
1: well know? that's the same thing kind of in this wheelhouse is. That I was so sad that Idris Elba, the Dark Tower, didn't work out. Yeah. Because then horrible, racist people get to point at it and go, see, this is what happened when you mess with the source material. Mm-hmm. And you are just you just roll your eyes at them and you're like, oh, you're monsters. Or like when Charlie's Angels wasn't a big box office hit. Like, yeah. I, There's nothing more I wish than Charlie's Angels, the newer one, was the biggest box office hit of all time. Just because I like anything that makes people like that get knocked down a peg you know so i like it when black panther or captain marvel are enormous hits and enormously appreciated by fans win awards and stuff like that because you just shows you oh no we can be diverse we can Mm -hmm. have this is the thing i always say of you know when i was a kid and you look at the heroes it was han and luke yeah and it was a white james bond guy and it was uh batman and the super friends and mm. it was it was a lot of white
0: dudes you know yeah, yeah he-man <laughs> he-man exactly yeah <laughs> yeah but and it's funny too because like for every one of those you know we do have a like ripley but i mean that wasn't so much for kids like that was like a little yeah. but i mean you at least had or like linda hamilton you know like i mean but again it's not you know as kids like for me, anyway, I, like that, I didn't really have that connection. You know, you knew Terminator, but you didn't really think and about it. And it's like it's one in Connor. a million. Even the weird <laughs>
1: stuff of toy companies inexplicably not making female action figures. Mm-hmm. So then those action figures become sought after and valuable collectors' items. Yeah, because the little kids, boys or girls, want the Bush Leia figure from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And then they don't make any. They make one for every 25 Hans or 25 Lukes
0: or whatever. Yeah.
1: And you're like, it's pure supply and demand. It's pure business. It's like, hey, evil business people, just make these toys.
0: Yeah, like there were no Ray figures for the first couple months when, uh, when yeah, the first something. one came out.
1: So yeah, it's always stuff like that where it's, I was really fascinated by this. I don't know what she was plugging, but I saw Gina Davis recently who... Has been out there the last couple of years, but deserves to be a giant movie star. Mm. And instead, like, she was on the Exorcist TV show, which yeah, was very good. So good, yeah. And I noticed her, she was on the She-Ra Netflix show, hmm. which was also very, very good, I thought. She said after Thelma Louise, which was a giant hit, critics loved it, Oscar nominated, she and Susan Sarandon had a hard time getting work still after that because... Hollywood is horrible, and it's that whole middle aged woman can't get a job kind of thing. And you see, like, she did Cutthroat Island and it flopped, yeah. and that kind of put her in movie jail a little bit. But you see it on the other side of the coin, and there's dudes who are in big flop movies and they get to keep coming back. So, yeah,
0: I mean, Brad Pitt was in Thelma and Louise. And yeah. Then, <laughs> you, you're like, kind of, the man, look at that trajectory. <laughs> it's always nice when you see someone like.
1: Michelle Pfeiffer, or Sigourney Weaver, who has never gone away, but isn't really in a starring
0: role a lot. Yeah. She's doing cool. Jimmy Jamie Lee Curtis is what I think of a Jamie lot. Jamie Lee
1: Curtis, yeah. She's the best right now, because yeah. she is carrying a Halloween trilogy mm-hmm. with her name above
0: the title, getting a big paycheck, yeah. and... That's how it should be. And Scream Queens, she was excellent. That was a pretty underrated show, actually. Like, yeah. and that was season one at least. And and it was just so cool because she was able to do like comedy. And it was like not strictly comedy, but she was able to toe the line between comedy and drama, horror, whatever. And it's just so funny because like she just, like so many people would have turned up their nose at her in the last 20 years, probably. And yeah. now you're just like, yeah, like that Halloween franchise would not be what it is without her.
1: Yeah. And then she shows up in Knives Out and is fantastic. Oh, and- yeah. It's dumb. Oh. The other one is the superhero one for me, where Ben Affleck can play Batman, Robert Downey Jr. can play Iron Man, but Lucy Lawless is too old to play Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. but she's the same age as those other people. Or, or uh, Anthony Hopkins and Thor, like it's like yeah. 90 years. Like, yeah, and how old's just... Rene Russo? That's, oh man, that's the biggest. <sighs> yeah, Rene Russo is the wife of Anthony Hopkins, and Anthony Hopkins is 100 years old, and she's like 50 or whatever. Yeah.
0: At least we had like Michelle Pfeiffer is in Wonder Woman, I think. Right? No, she's is in the Ant Man movies right now. Oh, am I thinking Ant Man? Wait, who, so who's who's Wonder Woman's mother in Wonder Woman? Oh, isn't it someone? Princess Bride, isn't it? Uh, Rob- Robin Wright. Robin yeah, Wright. Okay, that's who it is. All right, yeah. And it was like a cool, you know, like stately Hollywood type. And I, yeah. could, I don't know why I was thinking it was Michelle. Pfeiffer. See, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> How dare you? God, that's a whole other interesting thing. Just the whole thing that's going on with Wonder Woman 1984. It just like I've been so busy with the holiday <laughs> season, I don't know what's going on with Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. Well, they Except gre- that it came out. Yeah, and they greenlit the third one. Like they fast-tracked the third one with Patty Jenkins directing and writing. It's sort of funny because like a week before it came out, it was getting good reviews, like 80%. Rotten Tomatoes and then a week after it came out it was like about 60% something like that so like a lot of people complaining and you know a lot of like back and forth but I think HBO Max said one in every two viewers watched it of HBO right. Max so they said like millions and so just like it's just this weird so it opened to 17 million which is the biggest opening of the pandemic but if it was in theaters it would have opened to like 100 million or something like absurd these are such interesting times. One weird silver lining is I've
1: always hated how... And this goes back to... I think this is like Jaws' fault and Star Wars' fault. Once upon a time, people didn't know about box office numbers. They would look and be like, wow, that movie's been in theaters a long time or that movie's getting good reviews. But now people look at box office numbers, and this is nothing new, but they look at it like the stock market or sports scores. It's Mm -hmm. a very strange thing. Right now, it's an interesting time because with a lot of these companies... Netflix is very secretive. Like, Netflix didn't even want us to report numbers to the people we report numbers to. Mm-hmm. So if we were reporting numbers, you know, whatever, for here's the numbers for SpongeBob, here's the numbers for E.T., a Netflix movie, they're like, nope, we don't want that out there. So they keep that secret. I don't think Disney puts out, you know, Nielsen ratings per se for yeah. Disney+. Plus. So there's weird stuff happening where it's movies are coming out, making... A little bit of money in movie theaters, making a shocking amount of money on video on demand, because clearly people have a disposable income during the times of COVID, I guess, yeah. and are willing to drop 20 bucks, 30 bucks for a movie. Then they go out to a streaming service of which people are subscribing to. And it'll be at a little independent theater and on a streaming service. Everything we have played and that other indie cinemas have played that has been available on a streaming service, we did well with. So they made a nice little chunk of money, especially when we were playing Muppet Christmas Carol or Empire Strikes Back. It didn't hinder that it was available on your TV at home. So now it seems that we don't know as much about the money stuff. Yeah. And that's okay. We just watched palm springs oh good movie which again i will talk about because you can't watch a movie here so i'll talk about a movie that's elsewhere that is a movie that would have been on a mayfair
0: screen Mm -hmm.
1: it would have gone to sundance come to the mayfair for a bit and then gone on to whatever streaming service so we watched that i forget the exact numbers but it didn't cost much to make it got bought by i believe hulu the american streaming service for a good chunk of money that paid everybody off and made a profit and then they have it now and they sold it to a few other places And everybody's happy. Everybody got their paycheck. They don't got to worry about numbers. They don't Mm -hmm. got to worry about weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, we're in a new world of when things
0: go back to normal normal, it's still not going to be normal. Yeah, and it's just it's weird to me because, you know, they were like, oh, biggest numbers of the box office, 17 million this week, fast-tracking a sequel. It's so weird to read because I, I forgot initially. I was like, oh, right, Universal or whoever it was, Warner, you know, they sold it to HBO. I can't remember if they released those numbers or what they sold it for, but, I mean, that would have had to be... 80 million, 100 million, probably at least, or otherwise they wouldn't have done it. Because, like, that's what I found so weird. I was like, that movie clearly was over 100 million, not even including like marketing or anything like that. And now you're like fast tracking it based on a 17 million opening week, which is just almost feels like comedy.
1: And maybe they were smart the way I've always been impressed with a James Bond movie to stick in product placements without being Mm -hmm. annoying about it. Because there's always that famous Wayne's World bit where he's like, (laughs) opening up the pizza box and drinking the Coke and doing whatever. But in James Bond, it's like his car, his suit, his shoes, his watch, the brand of alcohol he asked for. Yeah. So before that movie hits a screen, they've made I don't know if this is true, but somebody told me that before that movie hit a screen, it broke even. Which sounds insane. And this was years back. So say years back, like one of the Pierce Bronson movies cost a hundred million mm-hmm. and before it hit the screen it made a hundred million because Porsche paid them ten million, and this watch company
0: paid them whatever. Yeah, and pre-sales usually like they would have you know the post-release to HBO or whoever. Yeah, you know, like that's a good chunk.
1: So we can live in this world now where because so often, and it's a good example of we just played It's a Wonderful Life, and it was so amazing, but that was a big flop when it came out, and I hate this association of flop equals bad. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Sometimes a movie just doesn't find its legs right away. Yeah. And we just played a more modern film. We played the more recent Spongebob film right before the holidays. That's a movie that got screwed by COVID falling when it did. But it didn't kill the franchise because a TV show is being spun out of that movie. And they've greenlit the fourth Spongebob film. So that's probably because they did pre-sale to a couple kids channels yeah. and to Netflix and to whoever. And they probably sold a good bit of merchandise over the holidays because kids bought some backpacks and lunchboxes yeah. or whatever. So it's very strange now like it's
0: a very different world of what does success mean for box office numbers I don't know if the original SpongeBob show is still on or not. Like, I can't. Like, to me, it just always was kind of on, and I don't know if they're it's doing. It's on and off. off. They have
1: a great relationship with Nickelodeon, where they basically go, "We're gonna do a movie," and that yeah. takes two years. And they go, "Hey, we want to do 12 episodes. We want to do a TV special." So it's never gone away. But Yeah
0: well, the interesting thing is, so so Patty Jenkins was saying she's in for doing a third Wonder Woman, but only if it's theatrical. So that's kind of gonna be an interesting thing to watch now. If that's gonna be a line in the sand for writer directors or directors or whatever who are just sort of like, "I'll do this if you guarantee it's theatrical." But considering the climate, it's, you know, it's almost like a game of chicken or whatever. Like And like, what does
1: that mean anymore? You know, once yeah. upon a time, and this is somebody who co-owns a movie theater saying this, where yeah. I, I just don't have this animosity towards TV that some folks like Mr. Spielberg have. Yeah. Or the whole tenant thing that caused so much anger between the production company and the filmmaker and Chris Nolan really didn't take it well. Like no. Chris Nolan was very upset. But nowadays, like once upon a time, you looked at a TV movie and it was a TV movie. Yeah, you know, it was a Hallmark TV movie. You could see the commercial breaks. You 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 knew what that was. Yeah, or it was a big miniseries like The Stand, where it was this like ten hour thing or whatever. But now, like, what the heck does theatrical mean? Like, it's almost like saying my album isn't really an album unless
0: it's on vinyl like, yeah it's very strange some people think that too <laughs> yeah i'm sure <laughs> it's, it's weird like but and, and also i'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that it's not like a worldwide shutdown there are theaters overseas playing stuff and those numbers are being accounted for as well and i'm not sure i'm, I'm assuming wonder woman still opened on christmas around the world I, I don't actually know if that's true but i think so so that presumably had something to do with it as well and like the, the i don't know but it's weird to me because, like, you know, we've talked about it before. Maybe this should be a wake-up call for budget size and oh, just yeah. thinking, like, well, even if you can shave off twenty-five, fifty mil, maybe it'll do something. You know, like, well, even the what we consider real
1: mainstream movies, and there's two that come to mind in the past few years that weren't humongous budgets. were not two hundred and fifty million dollar budgets. They were still big budget, but not enormous. So there was Venom yeah. from Marvel or from Sony, and <laughs> yeah. Captain Marvel, sorry, Shazam. Wait a minute. (laughs) Man, I get those mixed up. I'm an old school nerd, so I'm like, there's just two Captain Marvels. We're both accurate, though, too, I mean. So Shazam and Venom both cost approximately $80 million, which is, of course, a ton of money. But when you live in a world where there's Avengers movies and Star Wars movies and Terminator movies that are $200 million easy, that's a lot less money. Yeah. So then Venom comes out, and Shazam comes out, and they both do well. I don't remember the exact numbers, but they both made, you know, $400 million or something. Mm-hmm. If Avengers Endgame had only made $400 million, it would have been disaster. Yeah. It made $2 billion, so it was okay. I love that where a Halloween movie costs $10 million and Venom costs $80 million. And you look at Venom, you look at Shazam, good production value good effects i like both like
0: like a lot like i actually thought they were two of the better movies in those universe
1: and i think you can look at that and say hey we don't need to spend all this money we can still make very good movies Mm -hmm. and pay everybody a fair wage to work on this movie blumhouse has done a ton of that there's movies that come out that people go the uh fantasy island movie where they're like oh that was a big flop for blumhouse And I looked it up. It was not. No, there's no way. (laughs) Because it cost something insane. Like, it cost $7 million and then made
0: $40 million. Yeah, and there's no real major stars in it either. No. So no it's it's weird like it's some and freaky was another one where like i haven't gotten to see it yet the vince vaughn one i want to see that yeah Yeah. like it just it was supposed to be really good you can tell that it probably was like i was gonna say 10 million i mean i don't know how much vince vaughn commands these days like i don't think he's you know like a lot of the budget could have just been for the vince vaughn aspect i don't know i think a lot of these movies are probably done with
1: actors who don't need money necessarily yeah you know, everybody needs money. And
0: it, like, well, and it's Says like, the theater owner in a pandemic. Yeah. yeah.
1: And there's this assumption that if you're a celebrity, you don't need money. But right. but Vince Vaughn is not Robert Downey Jr. But he maybe did it for scale-ish mm-hmm. and then points off the back end when it gets sold to HBO or yeah. when two copies of a Blu-ray get sold to every Walmart in North America. He mm-hmm. gets a couple cents there. So I think that's happening more, too. I know for a fact, like Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks hasn't gotten a paycheck in... I don't know, fifteen years, yeah, because he just is like does exactly what he wants, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a little little movie that makes a little bit of money, and then sometimes it's a big movie, yeah. But he has enough money in the bank where he can just kind of say like, you know, keep the budget at twenty million, don't pay me another twenty yeah. million, and
0: he's got to be a producer on most of his stuff, yeah. Like I, I would almost it's like the same with Tom Cruise, you know, it's just you get to a point you're just like, well, I'll do your movie, but I'm a producer, yeah, even if that means nothing, <laughs> like you're, I'm getting that, you know, so. Yeah. I get another paycheck out of that. Yeah, so it's smart, I mean, but it is cool. Like, I mean, that's probably the most Vince Vaughn has been in the movie news in a while. Like, I can't really think of the last thing. And it's another <laughs> movie that, if
1: we were open right now, might circle around. Because I yeah. think it's playing at drive-ins and stuff mm-hmm. elsewhere, down in the States or whatever. So Yeah,
0: and, I'm, and it seems like kind of like uh, Happy Death Day-ish, which I was a big fan of as well. Like, that was an, an, another Blumhouse thing that's just, you know, it's just they're latching onto like clever premises with affordable casts and you know they're not going over 20 million at absolute most you know it's just brilliant
1: yeah and we're not going to run out of movies it's funny that there was that concern mm-hmm. but people keep making movies and there's a sundance film festival happening soon which yeah. is a whole slate of new movies blumhouse keeps making movies and the big guys keep making movies and animation hasn't stopped combine that with re-releases of stuff so When we come back, hopefully, in about a month, in January, we might play the exact same thing we would have played Boxing Week. So for new films, I Am Greta and Sound of Metal for kind of highbrow stuff. And then a really cool restoration re-release of the 1953 War of the Worlds. Mm -hmm. And then just for fun, Boogie Nights, which is available on digital for the first time for cinemas. So that's gonna keep happening. That's gonna keep rolling along. It might be a little bit more retro
0: stuff, but it'll be new retro stuff that Mm -hmm. hasn't been on screen for a long time. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like you know, the studios are kind of being forced to work around. Well, they don't even know what yet. I mean, they're trying to work around what they think might end up happening. And like the DC just announced that they're gonna be doing like every year, they're gonna do four theatrical movies, quote unquote, and two spinoff HBO Max series right and so it's kind of interesting like i mean that's it's just words at the moment but like it's it's kind of neat that there's sort of they're finding their kinship with hbo where they're like okay well you know you're gonna pay for half of this or whatever however it works and and it's funny it's like the, the knee jerk by most people was just to laugh because dc with all due respect i mean when you look at marvel versus dc movies oh, yeah. like they're just sort of like you're gonna do four a year plus two <laughs> yeah good luck with that but i'm assuming most of their stuff has at least broken even for the most part. Like I, I know some have been successful obviously, but it's funny. Like that's it, it's the quality of the movie is only half the battle really. Like, I mean, a lot of the time DC is not going to care if it wasn't great. They're like, well, we'll do better next time. Just give us money. Basically. <laughs> like, no. And like,
1: in my humble opinion, I don't think Aquaman was very good. No, nah. but it made a billion dollars yeah. somehow. And I kind of like that that happened just because poor old Aquaman has <laughs> been a joke for my whole life. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, Wow, it made a billion dollars. I'm sure everyone involved was like, holy crap, we made a billion yeah, dollars. Are serious? Yeah. I think there's smaller films like Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm.
0: I th- I don't think that had a giant budget. No, and, 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 but, and that must have made money.
1: Like, I, I'd be oh, shocked for if sure. it didn't. I think COVID land almost helped that movie because I think a lot of people were paying the 10, 20 bucks
0: to VOD it when mm. it came out. I so. liked it a lot, actually. Me too. Like, I thought it was a yep. lot of fun. So, yep, yep. Like, that and Shazam are probably my two favorite DC movies. Uh, I like, would agree with you, yeah. Thinking about it, like someone, someone on Twitter. Twitter was like rank the DC movies and I was like wow this is like a list of like two or three movies and then pick the I don't even care you know but I've never I don't know if I've hated any of them you know and I do try to remind myself it's not necessarily marketed at me you know and it's just for me I'm just like shut my brain off see some silly effects and you know maybe have some laughs so I'm pretty easy to please
1: yeah if I hate a movie you know that's a bad movie because (laughs) I am
0: extremely easy to please I don't know what the last movie you hated was like I don't even know either (laughs) you're usually like pretty I'm like, I'm like synchronized sound yeah cool you don't really bring it up i guess if it's something you didn't like. we'll have to ask if she'd be the yeah, one yeah i kind
1: of try to think yeah i don't i don't like being that's why i said i'd be a bad movie critic because yeah. i don't like being mean to yeah. movies <laughs> i think it's just because if you've been to film school if you've worked on movies at all even if you're just a fan who've watched some behind the scenes stuff you know how hard it is to make a movie yeah. whether it's a twenty-five thousand dollar clerks movie or a 200 million dollar avengers movie so it's just, it's just hard. So yeah. anytime it gets made, I'm just like, good job, everybody.
0: Man, Lee's been making his movie for two years.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and that's going to be a good story when that's done because oh, it's like, oh, the worldwide pandemic that <laughs> knocked us out for two years.
0: Yeah. So we should have been filming a making of documentary all this time. Because yeah. I mean, that's going to be interesting. But uh, hey, as long as it comes out, uh, fingers crossed for next year, you know yeah. I mean?
1: It'll come. It'll come eventually. Yeah.
0: It, it's not going to beat my Sundance debut movie yeah. that's coming up, I guess, January 28th or whatever. So... What movie is it? On the count of three, it's called. We could get that. I contacted Sundance and they said they're all
1: locked into their cinemas for their deal that they're doing. Yeah. But all those movies that they have will be made
0: available yeah. sooner or later to and us. It's, they're doing like a proprietary streaming thing for it, I heard. Yeah. So that's...
1: Can't jump on that. But yeah. But then they, that's only a week. So yeah. then after that, hopefully they'll come out to the world mm-hmm. and we'll be able to get them in. Fingers crossed our mayor is going to be yelling at other powers that be and we might be back earlier than other folks in Ontario, but maybe mid-January instead of late. But as I have said online to everybody, I promise we're coming back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we have to now that we you- We are not closing down. You stood by that, so we don't want it to get awkward.
1: Okay, let's wrap this up. Let people get back to their Christmas leftovers and
0: <laughs> watching yeah. holiday specials. Yeah, yeah. Not knowing if they're supposed to be at work or not. And yeah. <laughs>
1: This will be posted right before New Year, so happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, fun. We'll be back in 2021 for another podcast, and hopefully we'll have... We're not going to have updates. It's like everything else. You'll find out when we find out that we're allowed to come back, and we'll be back as soon as we can after that. So I can't wait. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, Happy New Year. We look forward to seeing you very soon at the Mayfair Theatre. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: Well, it's a shame we can't do a screening of New Year's Evil and Bloody New Year. It's only because of the pandemic we're not doing that. Please fasten your seatbelt. This summer, welcome to Mars. Let Arnold Schwarzenegger Quaid. You got a lot of nerves showing your face around here. and who's talking. Show you a side of Mars that no one on Earth has ever seen before. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You think this is the real Quaid? Total recall. It is. Rated R. Starts Friday, June 1st at a theater near you.